You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast about helping online brands to build a better e-commerce growth engine with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. John, always a pleasure to connect and talk strategy and growth and opportunities. And uh, today, I want to take us down a road that you referenced in a, in a recent article you wrote about just the willingness for companies to experiment and how that becomes somewhat of the the core of a successful business, at least mm-hmm. online, is the willingness and appetite for throwing things against the wall sometimes, <laughs> but knowing you're going to make mistakes and just continuing to go, but creating that culture becomes very difficult. And if you've mm-hmm. got a company that comes in your pipeline that is just old, rigid, stuck in their ways, it becomes very difficult to move that organization into, into a mindset that allows them to grow. <laughs> we were actually joking that if every company had the persona or the personality of just let's experiment, let's figure out a way to grow. We, you know, we're going to make mistakes, but let's just do it. It's like what recession could ever happen because there'd always be constant innovations. Like we'd be finding ways to grow. So I've, I've got lots of questions and I know you've got lots of wonderful answers, but in getting a company to become a, a company that embraces experiments that many times will fail, like how do you, where do you even start with that as as an outsider trying to convince a company to like they need to test things? Yeah, well, luckily this is what I do for a living, right? <laughs> well, look, I think that it all starts with a mindset shift, right? So a culture of experimentation really begins with the willingness to just ask the right questions and stay humble about the answers you're going to get, right? So you have to be willing to let data drive the decision-making instead of opinions. But so many corporations, especially the bigger they get, opinions hold a lot of weight. And especially the higher you go up the food chain, the more opinions there are. And I'm not suggesting those aren't based in experience or valid to, to pay attention to. But if you really want a culture of experimentation, when it comes down to many things, you need to let the data uh, drive that decision making. So luckily, and we'll talk about this today, there is a there is a step by step process you can follow to really help you get comfortable with failure, because that's part of this is you're going to try some things and it's not always going to win. And you need to be okay with understanding what failure means. And failure to me means learning, right? You're Mm going to take something and you'll learn from it. It's it's not an easy shift. And I think that that should be set up front, right? But to get results in experimentation and conversion rate optimization, which is my view on this, it also affects customer happiness, employee engagement, because you're empowering your team to make decisions based on data. And you're okay with that. Instead of having to run it up the food chain all the time, you can say, what's the data say? Go with that. Mm-hmm. So all of that, I think, really speaks for itself. And if you're willing to make the mindset shift, you can have good results, but you've got to be open to it. And I think that's the biggest barrier I see. So I wanted to start there. Got it. So often I I assume this, I don't know if I've ever asked this question before, but I assume that most of the time when you're engaging with an organization at the beginning, it's not the owner that's driving the CRO conversation. It's generally the marketing team or the web Mm -hmm. team, whoever owns the sites. Like we need to be improving our site, we need CRO, and they're having to take the conversation up the chain. Do you often find that these types of culture shifts start at the bottom and go up, Mm -hmm. or does it have to generally go top down? Great question. I think that normally what we see is it is that mid-level or VP of e-com who is really pushing for this. Because the easiest 
place to have a culture of experimentation and change in this way is with digital. It's so easy to run A-B testing on digital. I I make it sound trivial. It's not. But the reality (laughs) is compared to testing changes in your supply chain or with doing product testing or okay, we're going to change manufacturers and A-B test our manufacturers. That's a, that's a, quite a shift and can take some mm-hmm. time and some budget to do. Where with a website, you know, I mean, you can pay a firm like The Good to come in and run A-B testing. And the risk is pretty minimal because you're going to be able to track the results pretty quickly. And the budget doesn't need to be hundreds of thousands, right? So I think that that's one way to look at it is, you know, normally it's those mid-level folks who are driving it up. But I do think it's important that the high-level, C-level executives get on board. Because if Mm -hmm. they're not on board, they're not going to give the support and the rest of the team around the the e-com team that's trying to make this happen. It's going to be really hard for them. You know, so you really need to have that support from up above, even if it's, yes, I get it in your department, go ahead and make data back decisions. That may be all you need. Yeah, I think it's even like just anybody in the digital realm is almost used to experimentation, almost Mm. like Google's constantly changing, for example. And if you're not adopting new campaign strategies in that, good luck keeping that going. In fact, a mutual contact of ours is a digital first business inside a massive multi-billion dollar international conglomerate of businesses that aren't digital first their organization inside that willingness to test and measure, it's like second nature because it's just, yeah. they've been digital for so long, but trying to get that through the, the larger org and allowing that, that, that culture to pervade as is an uphill battle because mm. <laughs> the perception of experimentation being difficult is so deep ingrained into the business world. I think that it's like, you can't experiment with supply chain. What are you talking about? And yeah. all the business I'm involved in, I'm like, why wouldn't we test it? <laughs> well, that's exactly it, right? But it all starts someplace. And the easiest place to start is in that in, in digital, right? Mm-hmm. And so let's say that that mutual contact, they are able to really show that this is driving some results and really having some positive impact in their their division, then, you know, that will start to spread. It will catch mm-hmm. on. But again, you need the C-level executives to say, hey, this is working. How do we take this into other areas? Okay, well, let's we'll move beyond the fact that companies need to experiment and test to continue growing and innovating. I think that's if if that's not what you believe, there's there's 62 podcasts before this. It might help you get there. Um, <laughs> well, but, also there's a, a, a <laughs> potential looming recession that might help you get there. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, if you're going to go down, you might as well test something to try to not go down. But there you go. Uh, from your experience, there, there's. Obviously, mindsets have to shift to get to that culture. What are the big ones that you see that are are kind of the beginning of the tipping point for you? Well, we always coach our clients on incorporating a few questions. I I would say key phrases, right? These kind of help them really just understand the benefits of experimentation and, and be open to it. And I think if you can start asking these three questions, then you're likely to get success with a greater team and circulate this. So the first is, I don't know, but let me find out. This is such a powerful statement because it helps you stay humble and defer to the data. It also brings a culture of research, which is the first step of experimentation, right? So I think if you're a leader and you're looking to make change and you have that that statement you know, to the questions, I don't know, but let me find out. It helps people understand you're not ego-driven, that you can be data-driven. Ego-driven would be like, here's the answer. Well, are you sure about that? You need to do more research. You may think you just know, but 
I'm surprised, you know, we'll run AB tests. I get surprised daily on those results. You know, as soon as I start making assumptions, I, I have, you know, big issues, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so you really need to admit what you don't know in order to run successful experiments. So that's the first step. And then you can really implement your findings from there. So uh, again, I don't know, but let me find out. That's a really, really powerful one. The second is you can't always win, but you can always learn. So actually at The Good, we have a saying that there's no losers, there's only learners. And so what I mean by that is we'll have a test and we'll run a test. And if it does not hit the metrics we were looking for, or it has the opposite effect, or it just doesn't work for some reason, we're going to know something. We're going to have learned something from that. Mm -hmm. So it's not a losing test. It's a learner. It's a learning test for us. We can then take what we learned and reapply that to the next test and continue to compound that learning, which is very, very powerful. So if you look for the value in that learning, you'll really help to accept the failures that often come along with experimentation. And I think that's important. Again, we talked earlier about accepting failure. This is a good one. I think that a lot of leadership thinks, oh, we're doing A-B testing. We're going to uncover some golden nugget, magic bullet, whatever you want to call it, every single test. And that's just not the case. You're going to learn something valuable for sure that you can use in the future, but you may not have unlocked that billion dollar test that you were really hoping for, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that slight edge of testing. Like mm, you're going to constantly mm-hmm. get small little incremental gains. You might get lucky and a lightning bolt can strike anytime, but at yeah. the end of the day, like over time, it's just going to be small little wins. Well, uh, so two, two thoughts on that. The first is it's the power of compounding growth, right? Mm-hmm. So getting 1% better every day. Really, if your 1% is that you ran a test that didn't have an expected outcome and you learned something from it, you got 1% smarter today. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to look at it. The second thing is really that that compounding growth is just so key that I really think that having the mindset, I mean, one of the things we should I, I should add to this list is just trying to get 1% better every day. I think that's really, really key. It's something that's core to to our core values at The Good. Yeah. But the the third statement really is don't assume something is right just because you think it is. And I put this one last because it's kind of like, if you do the first two, you probably don't need this third. But if the first two kind of just went right by you, then you definitely need this third one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so really, uh, you need to avoid assuming you know what customers think or want. And it really have to have that shift into making data back decisions. Now, this is where I often say it's really hard to read the label from inside the jar, right? So brands are too close to their site. That's what's happening here. You, mm. as a brand, often think you know better than what your consumers know. And, you know, there's the the old adage that Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Well, there's no proof he ever, ever said that, first of all. And second of <laughs> all, which, you know, it's hilarious. It's been attributed to him for decades now. But the reality is I'm sure some business school professor said that once. And next thing you know everyone thinks it's true. But the reality is, it's not about having a faster horse. It's just about understanding horses better. And if you're able to do that, then then you really will go further. So just don't assume you think something's right. You know, just just uh, let the data kind of drive you a little bit. And it, it will work out, I promise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's that constant experimenting and innovating process. Like mm-hmm. you eventually test something that's not a horse. You're like, well, what if we did something that didn't require food (laughs) and a stable like hey maybe we can get there well a good example of this is flying right the wright brothers they tried (laughs) hundreds 
of tests before they were even able to get off the ground. And then to have a sustained flight, right? How many times did they have to test? I mean, you always hear about, you know, oh, they went out to Kitty Hawk and they flew that day on the beach, blah, blah, blah. No, they they were there for weeks before they got it up in the air. Yeah, it happened one day, but it wasn't that one day they just ran a test. It was the compounded learnings from all of the iterations and all the different trials to get the get it up in the air. Well, maybe even something that has to be key to the culture too then is, you have to have a belief that you can get somewhere or something is possible that it can happen. Like if you believe that a, a better conversion rate on your site isn't possible, then why mm-hmm. are you going to experiment to get there? <laughs> like you have to believe you can be better. hundred percent. And otherwise you really shouldn't be in the job to begin with, right? Because if your job is to drive revenue from e-commerce, let's just talk about that. Then mm-hmm. you really need to believe that in the product you're selling and that consumers want this. And if those two beliefs are true, then you're going to find a way to make it work. And that requires experimentation. I mean, marketers, mm-hmm. first of all, and I think, again, I think this is why it ends up usually root being rooted in that e-commerce and or marketing role, because those two roles are most common with testing. They, they are willing to experiment. They're willing to take a little bit of a risk. No, no growth marketer has ever, you know, just sat on their hands and done what everyone else is doing. They're always trying something new. And even with running ad campaigns, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but how many ad campaigns do you like, oh, I'm going to put $10 behind this and see what happens. And if it works, then I'll put more money there, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's the nature of experimentation. That's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think it puts us in the right uh, groups to be pushing for change culturally in this space. Yeah. So you, you've mentioned at the beginning that you've kind of broken this down very simply into steps to help companies start taking these processes to get, you know, to a culture of experimentation throughout the org. So where, where, what's the step that usually gets them going? Well, the first thing is just being okay with failure, really being comfortable with the fact that not every test is going to win. And if you can tell people in the organization, hey, this failure is part of who we are. When you experiment, it's going to happen. And that's okay. That does not make us losers. It makes us learners, right? And so we need to have that mindset. I mean, think about it. You're going to launch products that don't work. You're going to create new sections of your site where the conversion rate is just, you know, horrible. That doesn't need to be the end. Both of those things can be fixed. And I think Mm -hmm. that needs to be the way you're thinking about it moving forward. And, And if you want your team to really be comfortable with experimentation, they also need to be comfortable with failure because that's going to happen. So the first step is be okay with failure and and move forward from there. Mm -hmm. Second step is to start with small bets. So don't go out guns blazing. And the first thing you're going to bet is on a completely new redesign, right? You're just asking for problems. That's a huge capital investment. Start small, show some wins. So I really would not experiment to the point where your company is going to succeed or fail based on a a single experiment. Uh, We never do that at the good. It's just that's that's not a risk that's worth taking. So really what we want to do is consistently take small bets that it, that compound, right? So iterate on your learnings, continue to compound, and get a sense of what works and what doesn't work. That's really what, what is going to help you there. And then you start implementing those small bets and, and gaining some, some wins. And then you can start populating those around and saying, hey, look at this. We're celebrating that we did this. And then you can double down on experimentation with those successes. So start small, get some wins, mm-hmm. and then start populating that. And I think what you'll see at that point is people will get behind you. You're listening to Drive and Convert, a podcast focused on e-commerce growth. 
Your hosts are John McDonald, founder of The Good, a conversion rate optimization agency that works with e-commerce brands to help convert more of their visitors into buyers, and Ryan Garrow of Logical Position, a digital marketing agency offering pay-per-click management, search engine optimization, and website design services to brands of all sizes. If you find this podcast helpful, please help us out by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or colleague. Thank you. I think that there is, I've heard some pushback kind of in that vein of, you know, you know, failure where mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if Mark Zuckerberg came up with it, but he talked about going fast and breaking things. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the model in a startup and where he was going is if we don't get to somewhere fast, all the people invested in us aren't going to be there. Yeah. Which I can kind of see, and I'm, I'm aggressive, I tend to that thing, but yeah. I think that also within us, within an established organization, that model versus this, you could, you could break a lot of relationships mm. if you're going fast and breaking things uh, without some controls and not taking the small bite-sized pieces in your org. I wholeheartedly agree, and I think you, you know, this is a reason why you would start small is you're going to upset less people, right? But, you know, I think there is a there is a, a realm of politics that needs to play into this, right? Mm-hmm. I think this whole episode and, and everything I'm talking about today really comes down to, to politics, right? It comes down to how to get people to be comfortable with this and the risks that come along with it, which are fairly minimal unless you go out and you're just like, hey, we're going to bet the farm on this one thing. Like, you know, uh, Godspeed if that's the case. But, you know, it's just one of those things that, I think in terms of the next step here, it's really just don't be afraid to A-B test everything. So really step Mm -hmm. three is just have a gut feeling and that's okay, but it's another thing altogether to see all of the data work. And as I mentioned earlier, that might prove your gut wrong and you need to be okay with that. So A-B test everything and understand that you can't just rely on what you think will work, right? So take those small bets by A-B testing everything and then let the data guide your decisions and you will you will win. Overall, you will see a higher win, win weight than you won't. Um, so highly recommend that. Step four is to collaborate and put together good hypotheses. So work with your team, get them involved. By the time you get to step four, there should be people who are buying into the process on your team and and maybe outside your team at Mm -hmm. this point. You've circulated some wins. You're telling people, hey, this is working to some degree. Here's a win. We, we, you know, even if you only unlocked 10,000 extra dollars, that's free money that you found for the company by running a simple test. Populate that, right? And the wins will start to grow from there. But Really, when you start thinking about this, if you start A-B testing things, you have started circulating the wins, you're making data-backed decisions, now you can bring more people in. So help your team by bringing them in to generate ideas around what could be tested. If you do this on a regular basis, have some brainstorming sessions, they will start thinking in this mindset because they're going to get excited to participate in these wins, right? And what you're also doing is now you're getting ideas that that people used to just go and implement and you're instead turning that into let's test it, right? And so it ends up being a a much more collaborative approach. So, and then, you know, if you find that people's hypotheses are true, you've found part of your answer. And if it's false, now you can keep going with another test, right? Because you've learned. So people will start to get into that. And I think 
step five, the next step is really just appreciating that effort that comes involved with that. Initially, people are going to feel really uncomfortable experimenting, especially if it's not part of the culture, but understand that they're going to fail the first few times maybe not the first few times, but in, you know, they're going to have some failures along the way. And they're going to be tempted to just say, this doesn't work. And they're going to throw in the towel because maybe it costs the company 10 grand. Uh, But that's okay, because it's all up and to the right, right? It's that compounding (laughs) effort in the learnings. So in order to combat that, really, it's essential that you continue to highlight and publicly appreciate these efforts in the tests and the results, even if they're a failure highlight what the learnings were. And I think that that's a huge shift in mentality. Mm-hmm. I think that's where you can bring a lot of the political piece in too, mm-hmm. like that collaboration, appreciating the, the effort in front of other teams, like making sure that the important people that you know are going to that really control culture in your organization. Mm-hmm. Making These are the steps where you'd probably want to bring that group of people or individual in to say, look at all these cool things that are happening. Right. And what experimentation as a culture in our group is doing. That's exactly it. And, you know, the more that you can do that, the more buy-in you're going to get overall. Right. Mm-hmm. So it really is helpful. And, and then the last step here is really just to maintain that innovation mindset. This is where people really break down. Those who I've seen have a lot of success with running a testing program. And then where they end up breaking down, it's usually here where They've gotten through everything else. Now they're a little bit tired because they've dragged everybody else along. They're starting to see some wins. But really, the biggest hindrance to creating a culture of experimentation is just the institutionalization of it. What do I mean by that? Well, you eventually end up doing it because that's always the way we've done it. And this leads to stagnation. So now you end up saying, well, hey, you know, I know you really want to test this area, but this is something we've always done. Why do we need to test it? It's working for us. And then things start to break down because you've taken the easy tests off the plate. Now you're getting into people's political areas. You're saying, Mm -hmm. oh, well, I know uh, that you're a a buyer for, you know, our kids clothing line. Right. But I need to go in. I want to test some things around this that might alter what you have to buy in the future. And then people say, well, this is, you know, we've always bought this mix. Why should we change that? Well, I think it's important that you always as an institution, right? are making room for new and even radical ideas. And that's really what can lead to the biggest successes, right? So yes, make a bunch of small tests, but don't forget to occasionally swing for the fences. And if you're not doing that and you're not unfortunately upsetting some people along the way or having to have some tough conversations perhaps, then you're probably not testing with enough rigor that you're going to see some big results. So that that's really important. So the key is not it's inst- institutionalization of the testing, not the institutionalization of one of our answers. Like once yes. you get an answer, you're like, oh, this worked. We're just going to do it this way all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, do it that way until you find a better way. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Just because you have a winner does not mean you stop. It means mm-hmm. you take that learning learnings and you say, okay, this one over here. What else can we do with this, or how can we continue to improve it some more? And You take that winner and that becomes your new control, right? It becomes your new normal that you're testing against. And that's really where you start to see some compounding growth, right? I like it. Okay. One of the ways that really sinks into me and I ask all of our partners when we're having these conversations around just what do they do and why does it make sense for our clients Mm -hmm. is the example of somebody that's actually done this or you've seen it actually happen. 
Mm-hmm. So what's an example you can give us that this is where change became culturalized within the organization yeah. for the experimentation? So, yeah, great question. So you're familiar with the Telegraph out of the UK. I know it's not as popular in the States, but it's mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. a major newspaper in the UK. We worked with them for quite some time, but they've been delivering the news in the UK for 160 plus years. They were the first British newspaper to have an online site. And when we started working with them, they knew they needed to grow their subscriber base and they had some growth targets they were trying to hit. And they knew they were they were on maybe in the middle or the first steps of that culture of experimentation. And so they really wanted to require or knew what would work for them. So they called us and they said, hey, we need some help with this. And in terms of making a mindset shift internally, and how can we do that? How can you help us? So we did a lot of what we call rapid testing with them because hmm. when it came down to it, they we determined that we really needed to overhaul their sign-up process, the conversion process from a reader who finds an article on Google, et cetera, or is gets emailed from a friend, then they hit a paywall. We need to overhaul that paywall experience, right? To be much more user-friendly and convert better because that's where everybody was dropping off. So we decided if we're going to attack a paywall, which has been in place for a long time with Telegraph, <laughs> And it had a lot of stakeholders and is how they made all their money online, right? I mean, there's ads, et cetera. But like the reality is everybody who subscribed has gone through that paywall. So they it is something that was almost a religion to them, right? It's like, don't mess with this. And we say, mm-hmm. well, this is where the problem lies. So we need to attack this area. So we started by doing small tests, rapid tests. We didn't even start A-B testing. We took off-site tests. What do we mean by that? Well, We would mock things up and then put it in front of people for five seconds, take it off the screen and ask them to tell us what they remember. Little things like that could really help us to build up a use case for us to go back to upper management and say, hey, these are the challenges and they exist. And I know you don't want to touch this. It's institutionalized, but we need to make this change. So we did that and helped out with that entire subscriber journey and help them move the needle. But I think it's really the outcome of this is to say that once the data is in, it's really hard for leaders of these institutions to to argue with the results and to not let you make those changes. And really now the experimentation has become part of their DNA. So now we help them. They've built up an entire testing organization in their team and they are off to the races with because it's now part of their part of their culture. So, you know, obviously Telegraph isn't the only company that's used experimentation. Hmm. Amazon has had a lot of issues with this over the years and they are still one of the bright spots in terms of experimentation. You know, there's a lot of quotes out there from Jeff Be- Bezos about uh, how many tests they run every day, every month, every year and how you know the company will die as soon as they stop testing and innovating. Um and I mean, you think you can look at that. I mean, what they had their own phone with the Amazon Fire phone that lasted for six months. <laughs> so, so terrible. Right? <laughs> I mean, you get but, why they did it. Like you want to yeah. own that, but they just, yeah. I mean, you know, they, they're experimenting with everything. I mean, we were laughing, I think, last time we recorded about Amazon pets. You can have them deliver pets and like, is this pet going to be alive when it shows up at my door? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. But like. The reality is they're trying a lot of things, right? They're mm-hmm. trying a lot of things. And that's great to see. When you get that big of a corporation, yeah, you got to test throughout the organization, not just on their website, which, by the way, they run thousands of tests a day on their website. So if you think that 
you're running two, three tests and you're putting a lot of risk out there, try being Amazon and running hundreds of thousands of tests every day and having a whole team behind that that is doing nothing but changing your website every minute. And that's really the bottom line. It's wherever you find these innovative growing companies, you're going to find companies that are willing to experiment. That's great. I mean, I love that, John. It's I love culture of change, but it's it's also, you know, I think the older I get, the more nervous it makes me. And so yeah. I have to like constantly check myself as I get in routines because I am a creature of habit that it's change and experimentation can make me nervous. Mm -hmm. But again, I like moving forward and, and not being stagnant more than I dislike yeah. change. So I think it's an important thing for us to constantly remember. And, and in the digital side, it's it's, it's where it's easiest to start mm -hmm. within an organization. Um, I, I can think to my manufacturing company, like it's difficult to get people in production to be thinking about how do we make this differently or better or more efficient without a bunch of nudging. And so if mm -hmm. your culture is built around production of a product and marketing is a side piece of it, then it's it's not going to be easy, but the other side of it is is such a big upside yeah. and a culture that can be so much more fun and engaging to be in too. So yeah, thank you for your insights, John, and all those steps. I mean, it's you gave us a roadmap. It's easy. <laughs> John told us exactly how to do it. <laughs> well, I'm happy to have done that. And, you know, if I can affect one company and have a great culture of experimentation and, and see some wins there, then, then my job here is done today. That's good. I like it. Thanks, John. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening to Drive and Convert with John McDonald and Ryan Garrow. To keep up to date with new episodes, you can subscribe at driveandconvert.com.